I love that. Uh, and ladies, when you leave today, all of you will receive a flower from a crying child out there in the, in the foyer. Man, it's good to see you. It's good to, uh, uh, you know, we, we ceased the 10 o'clock service and we've gone back to the 11 o'clock service. Obviously, you're here. And uh, I tell you, uh, preaching three, I've come to this conclusion, preaching three times in a morning, it, it, this is very tiresome. But I tell you what I missed is just missing hobnobbing with you guys in your classes. And stuff. I, teachers probably hate me coming around, but it's just good to to see you and hug your neck a little bit. And, and uh, man, hopefully we're getting back to normal a little bit. But... Uh, Mom's Happy Mother's Day, and uh, today we're going to do something special today. Uh, uh, Pam and I were out last week, and Alan did a great job in, in speaking. And today we're going to focus on moms, and next week we're going to get back into uh, Philippians. But I uh, wanted to do something a little bit different today. Let me ask this question, and Catherine up here playing the keyboard made me think about how many expecting moms do we have in the uh, room? Okay, all right. Uh, got some. And uh, were any of your husbands just surprised? It, it, uh, uh, got to be careful asking that question. But uh, but it's it's so that's exciting to 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 know about. But what we're going to do today? This is our daughter, daughter Ashley. And uh, Ashley, for some of you ladies that were in ladies' Bible study, not this previous semester, but the semester before, Ashley taught, and uh, she's got a, a calling on her life. And after she did that, I, I wanted the opportunity for her and I just to be able to do an interview a little bit. So we talked about Mother's Day and just getting up here. And we're going to do it a, a little bit different. It's going to be an interview, but we... Uh, we took a passage and we uh, kind of broke it down uh, together and we want to uh, get to that. Well, we're going to get to that in, in just a moment. But y'all welcome Ashley up here with me. All right, babe. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Give uh, Just so that... Introduce yourself, a little bit of background demographics to these people. Yeah, I'm Ashley Christensen. Um, I am married to my husband, Cody. My family's up here in the front row. We've been married for almost 11 years. We have Noah, who's 10, and he's in fourth grade, and Mia, who's about to be nine, and she's in third grade. So we had our kids real close together. We were a little crazy. I'm sure there's some of y'all in here who have kids close like that, too. Um, let, me, let me interrupt. Uh, uh, <laughs> Just, yeah, it is. Uh, I consider, we consider Ashley our middle child. Uh, she was born a minute ahead of her sister. So she's got the middle child uh, tendencies yeah. right there. Yes. Um, yep, I do. Um, I have a twin sister. She lives in London and an older brother. Um, I am, I've been involved in women's ministry here at Central for quite a quite a bit now, leading small group, and I led, um, I taught through First and Second Samuel last semester. I'm really involved in my kids' school. I'm on our um, PTA board, and I coach my daughter's volleyball team this past year. I coach our school's pep squad. I run, you know, show for all the kids, mom life. So, yeah, that's me. 
Okay. Uh, why don't you draw your attention to the second banner at the top uh, over there? That is the man. I can't even read the year, uh, but it was uh, what was it? Ninety 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 nine to two thousand. A long time ago. State champion girls basketball team. And oh my gosh! Don't not have to clap for that. That was a long time. <laughs> and uh, but that. I keep I have them keep that up there just for you, babe. Uh, okay, uh, I saw you grow up, but just, just describe to these people the kind of influence your mom had on you. Yeah, mom was great. I have to say it because she's sitting here in the room. We're not going to yeah. criticize. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I had a great mom. Um, she was super supportive in everything that me and my siblings did, and um, she was our biggest cheerleader. And some of the things that I remember growing up was her going back to work so that we could afford to go to private school, and so she sacrificed that and went back to work for us. Um, also remember her being heavily involved in the youth group, and she taught 10th grade girls Sunday school for so long, and so she just invested in the next generation coming up, and that's been really inspirational for me and what's important um, in mentoring. Um, she also, with all of our activities, I mean basketball, we did all the sports, all the extra things, but she made sure our family was a priority. She really prioritized eating dinner together and even breakfast. And I have no idea how you did the breakfast thing now that my kids are growing up. We ate breakfast together every morning. Um, and she was just, she was the glue that held us together. And she also was super influential in my friend's life. She was always there for them to talk to. She was just a positive influence. She was a safe place for them. Um, we just had the house that everybody wanted to be in because it was safe and it was comfortable. And um, I think that's a lot too with mom and dad. But mom, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, you, you made one other comment that I'm going to go back to in the early service. Oh. You, you said your mom, because I think this is a huge point, about your mom made it made you know she's not your friend. Right. Mom was definitely our mom growing up. She was not trying to get us to like her. She was um she let us know where she stood on things and it was completely fine with her I guess that we just didn't like her at times. But she but now because she was our mom, she was the mom growing up. Now we get to be friends because she's done that hard work. Um, getting us out of the house and launching us well, that now we get to be we get to be good friends. So I really hope that that's the same for my daughter. <laughs> tell, tell them how much you feared me. Dad, up. no. Mom was the uh, <laughs> discipline in our house. Okay. Uh, okay. Like I say, we we took a passage of scripture and we we broke it down for you today. So. If you have your devices or Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And I'm just going to read it to you, kind of unpack just a few thoughts in it. And then we're going to continue uh, the uh, discussion. But it's, I I want to say it's for every lady, but it's for everybody in the room. So please hang on to that. Luke 10, verse 38. Now as they went, the they is Jesus and his disciples they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, they were on their way. Now, just so you know the background, 
Jesus and the disciples are headed to Jerusalem, and he's going to be crucified. He knows he's heading there. And they used to stop in the village known as Bethany. There was a brother and two sisters there, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And he loved to be in their house. It was a very warm place for them. And Martha here, it says she welcomed. She was kind of the headmistress in the house. She uh, was very welcoming to that kind of person. And she, she welcomes Jesus in. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Sitting at the Lord's feet would have been the, the uh, attitude and the posture of a disciple. She was sitting among the disciples at Jesus' feet, and she was listening intently. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister... This is passive-aggressive right here. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You know, Jesus, she's listening to you. You're the authority. You tell her uh, to come help me because she was helping me. Now she's left. You go. You tell her to come. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now, uh, when, when a name is repeated twice in Scripture, it's just part of the, the literature, that when a name is repeated twice, it's intimacy, okay? Uh, Saul, Saul. You know, he would give two names. Martha, Martha means a term of endearment to her. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So you see the picture. Uh, Martha is busy serving and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary was helping, but now she has walked away from that. Martha's hacked off uh, at this. And uh, uh, really, Martha wanted to be where Mary was. That was her frustration. But she saw too many things to do. Uh, any of you struggle with being a Martha? Let's be honest. Uh, how many of you had a sister that was a Mary that, you know, that you may have wanted to take out? But, uh, we, we see, we see this passage and a lot of times, and I want you to understand, ladies, this is not a guilt anything today. We're just wanting to see today and how we can be at the feet of Jesus. So, uh, okay, Ash, uh, you you are a mom. You're living in this culture today. Um, what are the distractions you see, just like Mar- Martha was distracted, what are the distractions you see with especially moms today? So in the Greek, this word distracted that Luke used means to be dragged away or to be overly occupied with something and a lot of the things that God has given us as women, our jobs, our husbands, our kids, um, it distracts us when we put the wrong emphasis and focus on it. So for me personally, um, my, my kids are a huge distraction. And it's not just the homework and driving them everywhere, but it's just um, serving them, taking care of them. You know, we, I feel like we keep them, we're what's keeping them alive a lot of days. So that is really what can distract me because I'm doing so much for them 
that I don't take time to sit at Jesus's feet. And, you know, just busyness. I'm we're very busy these days. It was nice to have the COVID slowdown, but things have started picking back up. So busyness for me is a distraction and doing things and also uh, my phone. I don't know if that's just me, but phone, devices, anything like that. Even whenever I sit down to read my Bible, I have had to not pull up the scripture on my phone and use my Bible app because once a text message comes through, then I'm like over here reading it and figuring out what's going on with my friends or what's needed of me. So my phone's a big one. And sleep. Honestly, I like my sleep. My family knows how important sleep is for me. I need my eight hours or I'm not in a good place. So I don't like waking up early just so I can get up before my kids are staying up later so that I'm not watching TV or because I want to go to sleep. So sleep's a big distraction for me as well. And I asked around in the ladies' Bible study and to some um, other women in my life, and some of the distractions that they said that everyone agreed kind of with what I was saying. But in addition to that, their husbands were a big one. Like they were, they felt like their husbands were feeling neglected if they were to take time out to do that, to focus on spending time with Jesus. Kids, this was from a younger mom, but like, should I be playing with my kids right now instead of sitting here at the table or praying or whatever? Um, a lot of women said that exercise, you know, you get up early and you get your exercise in and you work out, which is very important, but they prioritize that over spending time with Christ. And lack of energy was another one. Spending time with friends, COVID was a big one. Um, and we'll get to that later with the worry as well. And then um, people's jobs. They just feel like there's so much to do that their mind, they just can't stop. So um, this world just clamors for us to do more, be more as women. But Jesus just calls us to be still. And um, Mary or Martha's eyes were on her circumstances around her and not on Jesus. But, but she was serving him, yeah. right? So yeah. she's like, I'm serving him. But she just lost focus of what truly mattered. And Mary was at the feet of Jesus, learning, like you said, as a disciple. And this is what I love about Jesus, is he loves women. And any time that there's a woman in Scripture, I just feel like Jesus makes an extra point just to, like, acknowledge her. And so this would have been just unheard of in this time for a woman to be studying at the feet of a rabbi. And Jesus says, this is good, what she is doing right here. Yeah. Um, and so Martha's just busy serving, and Jesus saying, you're missing what's better. And her distraction can, just like ours, can also lead to discouragement and resentment. And so Martha saw Mary sitting there. And like you said, I'm sure she thought, well, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be in the kitchen doing all of this stuff. And I think that Jesus lovingly in his response also offers her the invitation of Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her, but come and sit with us. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I also, you look at the timing. Jesus is headed to the cross. I, I, I read where one writer said, Jesus may have well said to Martha, hey, listen, I don't need a, a banquet feast. A casserole will do. In other words, she was going overboard and in uh, and, and doing this. And Jesus needed, he needed more than, than a banquet feast at that time. Okay. We live in a, uh, a day, it says that uh, Jesus is saying you're worried and anxious about things. We live in a scary day. I mean, it's, it's different, and I know uh, I can say, well, it wasn't this way when I was a kid. And that, well, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. It's a much different time. 
what are the worries and anxieties that especially a mom faces but young families face today? So the worry we're talking about is that it's not just like your everyday concerns. This is like the spiraling worry that can steal our focus. And Gary Gilley is an author, and he says, worry is allowing problems and distress come between us and the heart of God. It's a view that God has somehow lost control of the situation, and we can't trust him. And worry fixes our eyes on the situation and not on God. Some of my worries, personally, are my kids. Like we've been talking about their well-being, their health. Are they thriving? Um, Another worry is, am I as a mom doing enough? Am I uh, discipling them enough? Am I just failing? Are they going to have issues when they grow up? All these things. Am I failing as a wife? Am I um, not pursuing Christ the way that I need to and walking walking with him in that way? So these are some of my worries that I can go through that can make me fix my eyes on it more than I can fix my eyes on Christ. And when I asked around again, I asked Bible study, the women's Bible study on Thursday mornings. Um, some of those answers were COVID as well. Like that worry can be all consuming. Um, health issues, whether it's personal or your kids or any of your family members, parents, um, the kids' education was really big right now. So just people focusing on just what's going on in our school districts. Um, also, the culture's influence on kids and just, I mean, you could really get sucked down a hole if you think about what that would happen without Christ. Also, just sin in your own life can be a worry. And just also the worried of things not getting done because you have a big to-do list. And then work, job. Job has lots of worries that can really keep you up at night. And we see that Martha was seeing that everything that needed to be done, instead of seeing Jesus in her home, um, we all know that worry doesn't prevent bad things from happening. We know that, but it does rob us from peace and joy that God promises. And we spend so much time worrying about things that may not even matter in two weeks or a month from now. Um, and Oswald Chambers says, all our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. Yeah. I, I hear you. Uh, and you know, what you mentioned about distractions and some of the worries and anxieties, they're not bad things. They're not evil things. And right. I, think, I, I think the enemy wants to distract us so much that we think it's going to be blatant evil. And a lot of times it's good things. Yeah. I, I I struggle with some things in this culture that I see among some Christian families, and, and it's this. They have let their families become kid-centric yeah. instead of Christocentric. In other words, everything, how, the kids are the primary issue. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, they determine what church we go to. They determine if we're going to go to church. They determine uh, everything in your family instead of Christ determining that. And so we we became worrisome and anxious because we're focused on this instead mm-hmm. of on Christ. Right. And I think to I mean as moms most of our over we're overly occupied with our kids. And I think that there's the antidote to worry in general is truth with a with a capital T. And when worries come in our life, it's a chance for us to lean into the heart of God and trust him even more. And our circumstances are always changing, but they do not change who God is, thankfully. Um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know this. And that's why it's so important for you to be in God's word and knowing what the truth is. And I'm getting ahead of us. But one of the ways how I... Um, 
combat worry in my life, and this is just a discipline that I've had to instill, and it's not something that you can, I, I don't really think you can master it. I think just like anything else, you have to stay on top of it. But when a worry comes into my life and I can feel myself starting to get overwhelmed, it's to take that worry and say, Lord, I'm worried about this, but I know that you are blank, fill in, a, fill in who God is. So we just had a little health issue with, with my son a couple weeks ago, and we had to take him to get an ultrasound, which was fine. He just had a little lump. And so I was doing great and not worried about it. It's fine. And then when the day came to go get the ultrasound, his doctor called that morning and was like, why haven't you gone in yet? And I was like, well, I got the first appointment. I don't know. And so she made me start worrying, like, is this something I need to be worried about? And so when I went to pick him up from school, I was just really like going down that mom spiral of what happens if, you know, you don't want anything bad to happen to your kids. So your mind can really take you places. But um, in that moment, I just remember I was just praying like, God, if he is sick, if if this is the start of a journey for us, I know that you're sovereign. I know you have a plan. I know you're faithful. I know you love him more than I do. And I know you're going to take care of us and walk with us through it. So it's just, just replacing anxious thoughts with the truth. Now, did I feel like 100% better at the moment? No, but it gave me a peace. The truth. Yes. Yeah. Truth with a capital T. I like that. Uh, okay. Everybody that's a follower of Jesus in their head because they hear it preached all the time. Oh, I need to be at the feet of Jesus. I need... But really, what is the benefit of just, so to speak, sitting down with Jesus, devotional time? Well, your life and your circumstance will expose your theology, which is just what you think about God. And as Christians, we have to be theologians. We have to know exactly who God says he is in Scripture for ourselves, not who, what a pastor tells you, not what a podcast tells you. You have to know this for yourself because when life hits you hard, you have to know who God is and not just who you think he is. And you can look at the teachings of Jesus, and, he's, and he gives theology. My favorite story is um, the woman at the well, and Jesus meets her in her sin right where she is at this well. And he gives her theology. He says, this is who I am. I am the living water. And not only does this change her life, but she goes and she changes the life of her town. And just um, in this story, we can see that Martha does have a theology of who God is. Because whenever Lazarus is dead and Jesus comes to meet her, she says to Jesus, I know you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, I am also the resurrection and the life. And then he shows her by raising her son, I mean, raising her son, raising her brother from the dead. So, so much is just knowing who God is. And that's what one of the benefits is. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is, once we know who God is, then we start seeing our identity and who we are. Yes, one of the greatest things that you can do when you open your Bible is to sit down, like, whatever you're reading, and be like, okay, who is God in this passage? Because the scripture is, this is about God, this isn't about us. And so if you can read a story and find out, learn who God is, then you can better um, apply it to your life. Your understanding of it will be even greater because everything as a Christ follower stems from who God is. Okay. All right. So um, 
So coming before the Lord, we see how big. See, I, I think people lose a, a sight of how big God is, and we put ourselves on equal footing, and we struggle with our identity. And I, I think that uh, not just ladies, but men struggle. We get our identity from what we do so often, and, and moms can do that too. I get my identity through my kids. I get my identity through uh, the things I'm involved in, and if something happens to that, let's say ha- something happens to your children and your whole life has revolved around your children, something happens, and listen, we live in a broken world. Stuff does happen. Mm-hmm. Your life could fall apart. Right. My, my, your identity cannot be on the season of life that you're in because that changes. Your identity has to be in who Christ is and who yeah. Holy Spirit, Father, all of that, who that he is. Yeah. One of, switching gears just a little bit, one of my concerns about some young Christian ladies that I'm seeing trends in is that there are certain bloggers, authors, female speakers, and I, I don't have any, anything against female speakers, but some of these influencers, their um, marriages have fallen apart. They uh starting to think in, in some realms uh, that it concerns me about what some of our young ladies are, are reading. How do you address that? Well, it seems like everybody has a platform these days. I mean, anybody can get on social media and spit out something. And, I mean, honestly, anybody can write a book that they say is about God and nobody's checking to make sure it's theologically accurate. Um, so as simple as it sounds, you have to know what God's Word actually says so that whenever you are reading something, if something isn't like feeling right to you that you know it's because it's not what scripture says and um satan is he's not going to tempt christian women with a blatant lie like that's not how he's going to get us he's going to twist it just so subtly um scripture constantly calls him crafty calls him a deceiver and we see this back in the very first story with eve whenever satan just slightly twisted god's word and eve Eve fell for it. She was deceived. And so I think that's what's going on with these influencers. And I I don't think that they're wolves in sheep's clothing, like what we've been told. I think they're wolves in shepherd's clothing. And they are leading women in the wrong way. And so we have to know the truth. And right now, um, this TikTok theology is really big, where everybody has their, like, 15 seconds where they're going to spit out a verse and then explain what it means. And it sounds really good. And I know a lot of it's influencing our teenagers today. But whenever you look at that verse, it's completely taken out of context. And you have to know what scripture says to be like, that that doesn't mean what you're trying to tell me that it means. But it leads people astray who do not know God's word. So, again, it all goes back to knowing the truth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, bringing this to a close here. Uh, we can all say, okay, we need to slow down, be at the feet of Jesus. How in the world can you slow down today? I think... A lot of it is shifting our focus on from what is temporal to what is eternal. And I think that will help you to realize that, you know, spending 15, 30 minutes in God's word has eternal value for myself and my children and the na- my neighbors, my community, other than XYZ finishing the laundry right now. That'll get done later. But I think it's just that that subtle mind shift of getting perspective of what actually matters in our kids' lives, right? They can they can do their own laundry. You go ahead and let them do it, and you go spend time in God's Word, and you, the more you learn from Him, the more you can benefit your family, and the more you can be a good influence on them. 
Yeah, I, I think I think sometimes getting still is almost impossible today. You know, the scripture says, "See, striving and know that I am God." But I think sometimes we try to add our time with Jesus. We try to add that into an already busy schedule. You're going to have to you're going to have to renegotiate some good things mm-hmm. for the best thing. Yes, and and. Your relationship with Christ is not something that you add on to your life. When you become a Christ follower, that relationship has to become your life. And everything else is what you add on if it fits in. One of the the ladies' Bible study, we just went through Hebrews this last semester. Um, and one of the main things was the takeaway that I got from it was just a beautiful reminder that all throughout Scripture, God is saying, draw near, draw near. And then in we see through the life of Jesus that through God's love and him dying on the cross, he broke that barrier that had separated us from Christ. And not only are we to draw near from God, he wants to draw near from near to us. And he sent Christ so that we could now have a more intimate relationship with him. And he sent part, God sent part of himself, the Holy Spirit, into our lives for us to be together and be drawing there. So I think it's beautiful. Not only do I want to spend time with God, but he wants to spend yeah. time with me too. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And and you would say, I'm going to step up just a second. You would say getting involved in a Bible study with some other ladies would be vital. Yes, the um, I 100% think so. The church has women's Bible study that go on morning and night. Whenever I was my kids were small, it was great for child care. So there's a little plug, um, just a time to get away and talk about things other than kids. But yes, Bible study, it keeps you accountable if you're with a group, and it just... It has been life-changing for me, so I highly recommend it. Yeah. There's a Thursday night group and a Thursday morning group. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Brett, your team, come on up. I, w- I want to draw, try to wrap this up, really, real quick, if I could. I know that some of you in this room, Mother's Day is not your favorite day. This may be your first year since your mother's passed. It may have been. It may have been three years ago, like my mom passing, and you still have these fond memories, and, and today is just not a uh, day that brings good remembrances. You may remember your mom, but there's a sad part. And then there's maybe some ladies in here that, for some reason, you've been unable to uh, get pregnant. Uh, fertility issues or whatever it may be or just have to happen, and some of you ladies are in here and you're saying, man, I just want to find a guy, a Christian guy that, that uh, is full of integrity. And so, you know, don't settle for less. That, that's for sure what I want to tell you. So this day may not be a favorite day for everybody. But I want to, I want to say something right here. I was just praying this morning and I thought I was thinking about the greatest evangelist in the world. Uh, you know, you may think about the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, or you think about Billy Graham or somebody like Greg Laurie today. Uh, you think of these great evangelists. And it really hit me in my spirit. The greatest evangelist ever has been moms. I would say most of you in this room that are followers of Jesus now, your mom played a role in you coming to Christ. And with that thought, I thought, oh, man, how much do we miss that? How much do we put people in the spotlight instead of just honoring that mom who has prayed daily for her kids and loved them unconditionally? 
to see them come into the kingdom. And I, and I felt I felt the guilt come in that we have not been better about honoring the evangelists who who have made an incredible impact. So what I want to ask is all the females in the room to stand with me. Would you do that? All the females, not just moms, all the females to stand. And what I want to do, you know, when somebody is licensed to the ministry or ordained in the ministry or is going to do something in the ministry, we commission them. Missionaries, we commission them to go to the far ends of the earth. But I want to take a moment to commission you, ladies. I want to commission you to go and do what you're gifted to do. To lead young boys and young girls to a relationship with Jesus. I pray that God's Spirit will so come upon you that you will be Christ in your home. That you will give a picture of purity and holiness. We just commission you to go and do what you've been so good at already in bringing so many into the kingdom. So today, I just want to bless you and send you forth under the power of the Holy Spirit to go do what He's called you to do. I I really believe. Sometimes I've been guilty of saying, well, if you get the men, you get the whole family. And that may be true. But listen, I, I just firmly believe that moms, you are the greatest evangelists that are on the face of this earth. And thank you so much for that. I want to ask Ashley just to pray over you now before we sing this song of worship. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, every woman that is in here right now. I just thank you for the family that they represent. Father, the family that they will represent, God, in every life that they touch. I pray that you will give each one of them a desire and a love for your word, Father. Because we know that everything stems out from that. Our love for our family, our husbands, our community. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will guide, you will equip, and you will let each of these women feel your power, Father, as they mother their children well. I pray against any kind of guilt or feeling of failure that they may feel, Father, because we know that with you we can do all things, Jesus. And I just pray um, for all of the little souls that they're going to touch, big souls, all of them, Father. I just pray. Um, for the influence that these women will have for eternity. Draw all of our hearts closer to you, Lord, so that we can seek the truth and know the truth and be a light in this world so that we can um, influence others for your kingdom. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, everybody stand, as we sing this song of worship.